0: If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, welcome to Walk It Out. Now,
1: I'm going to take us back about 20 years. And, you know, remember when you used to get something called a CD? I was in this club that would mail me CDs. And so my music was a steady stream of Bebo Norman, Fernando Ortega, and this guy called Andrew Peterson, who was one of my favorites. Now, years later, I heard about these books that he was reading for writing for kids, and I bought some copies. I never got around to reading them out loud to my kids. Until recently, let me tell you, we're going to be talking about the books today, the music, and talking to one of my favorite recording artists. So Andrew Peterson is a critically acclaimed recording artist and songwriter, as well as the author of the award-winning Wing Feather Saga. He's also the founder of The Rabbit Room, an organization that fosters community through story, art and music he and his wife Jamie have three children and make their home in Nashville so welcome Andrew thank you good to be
2: with here with you
1: you know, I, I still have those sleeves. It's almost like a trapper keeper with all my CDs in my closet. I cannot, yeah. even though I, they're all on my phone now. Like the same music still on my phone, downloaded. I just can't make myself like get rid of those no, CDs because it's do like it. the memories there. I'm sure oh, they'll man. be worth something someday, right?
2: I was so encouraged the other day. I was talking to the staff at the Rabbit Room, and most of whom are like you know mid to late 20 somethings and uh they were all talking about how they miss cds and ipods and i was like oh there's hope for the world <laughs> you're gonna
1: come back i okay, know I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to my trapper keeper FCDs cds then yes <laughs> they're gonna be worth something someday
2: i love that you even know what a trapper keeper is that's impressive oh,
1: see? yeah i'm 49 this is <laughs> <laughs> we're going back there
2: <laughs> yep.
1: oh okay so so fun i homeschool my kids we have 10 kids um six are still at home homeschooling the youngest three we started listening to your facebook lives reading out loud this wing feather saga so first of all for those who may not be familiar tell us about the series and then tell us what you're what you've been doing on Facebook
2: well it, the wing feather saga was first published maybe I guess I started the books close to 15 years ago so I, I wrote book one it was kind of like when I was you know it really touring hard you know on the road all the time doing shows and I remember telling my wife like you know how I've always wanted to write a book I'm I'm really ready to do it my, the biggest reason was that my kids were growing up and, Mm -hmm. and I, we would read aloud a lot as a family. And I read the Narnia books to the kids and I've always wanted to write a big fantasy because that was what I grew up reading. And, um, and so that was kind of the inciting thing was to like, to hold, hold, grab hold of like the, uh, this precious season in our family life where the kids are at an age where I could actually write them a story, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it took about 10 years to write the whole series all four books, and um, and it was just a blast. And and the cool thing about books is their shelf life is way longer than CDs. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, there's not like a weird, outdated version of books, you know, like a Trapper Keeper of CDs. It's like books actually still sit on the shelf. And, and so the books have been doing great, and uh, finally Random House came and said, hey, let's re-release them all in collector's edition hardbacks. And so that was this year. We've got new artwork and new dr- drawings and and uh, kind of like fresh life for the – series, which has been just an author's dream. Like, I can't believe that it's happening. And then, uh, and so this March when we were, uh, I was on tour in England actually when the lockdown happened. And so I had to come home and like the whole year's touring got canceled and we were all like everybody else kind of sitting at home and March going, what do we do? And so I thought, I'm just going to read my book aloud. And, um, and it was amazing. Like, I think we had, an average of like 20,000 people watching every night. And, that's um, so cool. So, which was like, a bl- I just can't tell you I cried almost every day doing it because I would see these pictures of families huddled around the computer or the TV with their kids in their jammies reading the story and so so just uh, Monday night this, this past Monday we started reading book three and um, I guess that's what I'll be doing every night at seven o'clock for the next month
1: <laughs> I love it and we just started on book one so we're going through it my kids are like he's the one that wrote this book and we're you know the illustrations are amazing by the way I have all four of the hard covers here and so as you're reading along we're like looking at the illustrations and okay the funniest thing is potatoes are you know something they grow in the garden and my daughter who's 13 keeps mumbling it's potato No, it's tomato. No, wait, is it potato or tomato? I'm like, it's Totato. Like it's, it's I just show her in the book that it's
2: really Totato. That's so funny. Um, Um, I get to make up the names. So tell her, tell her that the, the guy that made up the names agrees that it is Totato. It is is Totato.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to have her listen to this podcast. (laughs) So what I love is we do get to see your personality. I mean, there's so much of your personality, of course, in the book. Um, but you know, sometimes you'll stop and chuckle as you're, you know, like, oh, that was really funny what I wrote or um, all those things. And even as I was walking with my husband this morning, we walk in the mornings, I was like telling him this whole story. And he's like, I kind of want to listen to that, too. I'm like, well, we might need to move it to the evening <laughs> instead of homeschool time so that daddy can listen, too. That's awesome. But it's so cool because we, our oldest kids are 31, 28, and 26, and then we adopted seven kids. Mm-hmm. Um, from foster care. And so, you know, of course we read all the Narnia books, but I love that there's this new series that we can read along and can become the same type of thing as, um, you know, the Narnia books, you know, when they grow up, they will have this to think of. And so I love that you're able to do that first for your kids. And then now for this new generation of kids,
2: man, it's uh, like I said, it's just a dream. I, I'm, I wanted to write books, uh well before i ever picked up music like music was always interesting to me but my big thing was i loved comic books i loved drawing and like when i was in school i was usually failing tests because i was reading some some e book you know and so uh <laughs> so it's so fun and and like gratifying to like actually let it be a part of my life and what i love about it is like it it you have to like stay in touch with like your inner 12 year old when you're mm-hmm. writing a book like this. So like the, the exercise of remembering what it was like to be a kid and asking myself at almost every turn, you know, what would 12 year old Andrew want to see happen in this next section? You know um, it was just kind of good for my heart. Um, and so now, mm-hmm. now coming back, you were, you were laughing about the fact that I was like, this sounds silly, mm-hmm. but cracking myself up uh, when I was reading the books aloud, like the books were written so long ago that like I'd forgotten a lot of the little goofy inside jokes and so uh, yeah it's just been it's just been good for my soul yeah Um, I love that Yeah,
1: and what I love too I think you know with your music and I think why you've always been one of my favorite recording artists is there's so much storytelling to your music like the songs they're telling a story last night um, I'm like remember the song and it was dancing on the minefield and I'm laying in bed showing my husband the song and I like legit cry every time I get Uh to the end when it says you know when I forget my name remind me what it is. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, because my grandma's 91, she oh. lives with us. You know, it's just this generations that are, I mean, now that I'm in my late forties, you see the, the t- passing of time and the generations and the storytelling songs that, you know, you wrote 20 years ago or 15 years ago, whenever they are still relevant to today. And they, they're even more meaningful. I think now that we see the, that time passing and that storytelling oh. is such a beautiful thing. Thank you. Um, so was it, easy to transition from like the storytelling of the music to the storytelling of the longer books or how, uh, how is yeah. that
2: different in some ways it was there there's a lot of overlap you know like the creative process whether you're a painter or a poet or a novelist or a, or a pastor is coming up with a sermon on Sundays you know like there's so many things that are the same um meaning uh we, we all kind of start with a blank page and that okay. terrible, the, the scary feeling of how in the world does this work? Like, I don't know how to make something out of nothing. Um, so you sit there with, with a lot of the same fear and insecurity and like feeling like you're at the base of a mountain that you don't know how to climb. Um, so all of that is pretty similar, like on a practical level. Um, it's different because songwriting is pretty, songwriting is kind of like uh, track and, book writing is more like cross country. Right. Mm -hmm. So everything is like really long and drawn out. You're deferring the satisfaction of sharing Mm -hmm. your work with anybody for like a year. Whereas with a song, I finish a song and if I have a show that night, I can try it out on the audience right away. You know, um, but with a book, you know, you don't really get to, you don't really know if you're on the right track for months and months and months. And so you have a lot of time to question your sanity and go, is this, what, what am I doing with my life again? And so, so that, yeah, that was, that was the, the biggest difference to me. But like, you know, the golden ratio, you know what that is? Like the, um, it's this, it's this thing that like, I feel like, was it, uh, Da Vinci a few like it's been the this thing that shows up in nature. It's this like seashells are like this. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what I mean? There's this pattern that yes. the ratios kind of appear again, and it's this beautiful fingerprint of God in some ways, right? And and the fact that this pattern shows up in all these kind of uh, different ways th- all throughout creation. That's kind of how I feel about the creative process, like. Like fighting your way through making a record. You you start with nothing, you battle through the insecurities, you try to wrestle a story into the world, you invite community in to help you refine it. You produce it, you hit these walls that you have to be like, Oh, does this wall mean that I'm on the wrong track? Or is this wall just something I have to fight through? Mm-hmm. All of those questions, you know. And and so having a music career first, which meant, you know, making three or four records, I think, before I started writing the books meant that I had kind of trained myself to recognize the pattern, you know what I mean? And so when I was working on the book, I'd be like, Oh, this same thing happens when you're making a record. And this is the time that you fight through, or this is the time I go have coffee with a friend and talk through the problems I'm having. And, uh, and obviously the, one of the biggest things is this is the time that you, you pray, you ask, Absolutely. you know, the source of all beauty and goodness and, uh, creativity to, to aid you in your quest, you know? And one of my favorite, uh, illustrations, uh, about, of that is, is Bach. I write about this in, in my book, uh, adorning the dark when Bach would write his pieces, you know, he was like one of the In many ways, like the best example of what a Christian musician is, you know, (laughs) like he was writing for the church and wrote these incredible works of art that are, you know, admired by people, whether you're Christians or not, these many years later. And so uh, one of the cool things about Bach is that at the bottom of his manuscripts, like if you look at you can look online at Bach manuscripts where he like hand wrote these pieces, he would write SDG at the bottom which meant soli Deo Gloria, all glory mm-hmm. to God. So he would do all of this work. And at the end of it, he would write, this is for God's glory. Well, the cool thing to me is that at the top of his manuscripts were the initials JJ, which stood for uh, Jesu Juva, J-E-S-U-J-U-V-A, which was Latin for Jesus help me. So Bach would start his work by saying, Jesus help me. Then he would bend himself to the work and fight his way through the thing. And at the end he would say all glory to God, which I think is like, you know, the, the perfect picture of how a Christian ought to go about his work.
1: Absolutely. Oh, that is so good. I'm going to have to go look up those. And I think you're exactly right with the creative process. I've written both fiction and nonfiction, you know, lots of stuff published. And at the beginning of any project, it's always exciting. Like, this is new. This is fresh. By the middle, you're like, oh, my goodness. Oh yeah! (laughs) Why did I get in this? And this is not a good idea. And I really just want to go clean my bathroom, which is a really bad sign (laughs) if I would rather clean my bathroom Mm -hmm. than sit down and work on this manuscript. And by the end, you're like, okay, maybe this is okay after all. And it seems like, you know, when books book launches I mean the the spiritual (laughs) battles that happen Mm -hmm. in my home in the world I'm like oh of course I have a book launching this we have this is why all this is happening but then you see God showing up and those you know letters from readers and you you get letters from readers and listeners and then you see like okay this is worth it this is a fight this Uh is a spiritual battle this is um, me joining in God in this creative process and of course you know there's the enemy that's going to want to fight against this Uh and then look look at the fruit look at the result Um, but The first time, it's scary. The second time, it's scary. After a while, you do get to see a pattern, and it does. You lean on God more. You're like, okay, this is us together through the whole whole process. And then even as you're connecting with readers, and as readers, whether they're watching on YouTube or listening to a CD, you know, listeners, or reading these books, it's amazing to me because God is still doing the creative work in them, even though we're completely done with the process. Totally.
2: Yeah. And I think that you get, you have this real sense that the the best moments of the work, you feel like somebody else did them almost, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And it's like when I, you know, when I'm doing a re- singing or, or get an email from somebody and somebody talks about some moment of connection, it's like, yes, that's what I was trying to do. But, but you also f- have this real sense that I, I'm a total knucklehead, you know, like I, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so that's the beautiful part of it is that, like you said, God partners with us. Like mm-hmm. what a, what a crazy thing for him to do, you know, to say to these mm-hmm. frail, tiny little creatures, like, Hey, I want to invite you into the, into the joy of creation, you know? Yeah. And so we don't, we don't make something out of nothing like God does, but we don't, um, and we, we get to make something out of what God has made. And so, uh, it's just this, uh, incredible privilege and it's easy to forget too, you know, like when you're slogging through it and you feel like everything you're trying doesn't work. Um, it's, it's like, you know, there's some refining aspect to what's happening there. Um, but, uh, but it is it, like the sum is... It's an incredible privilege and it's just Mm -hmm. grace. The whole thing is grace. Like nothing that we make really has any business changing anybody's life, you know? And so, so when it does happen, you you just have to give thanks because it's, it's all gift.
1: Yeah. And when we look back, I mean, you talked about being that, you know, that kid in school that was failing a test because he was reading. And I picture myself as a fifth grader riding to the library because I didn't grow up in a home that had books and then being drawn and just reading book after book after book and falling on my bike because I have too many books on the handlebars as I'm going down the hill. You know, I just look back and like God put that in us knowing how he wanted to use us, but it, you know, it's those, those gifts that he gave us even before we knew what he was up to that he gave us these gifts. And I love how you encourage writers, you encourage musicians. So I'd love to hear more about, um, what you're doing in, is it the rabbit room? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the rabbit room was started Close to 15 years ago, and it was inspired by C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien and Charles Williams and Warren E. Lewis. They had this group of people, a lot of people know this, but they were called the Oxford Inklings. And the Inklings would get together at a pub or at C.S. Lewis's classrooms um, at Oxford every week or so, and they would share the stories that they were working on, they would hang out, and um, you know it's this kind of legendary, you know, uh, fellowship of writers. And so the first time I was in Oxford, um, <clears throat> years ago, I did what, you know, every American CS Lewis fan does. And you go find the pub, it's mm-hmm. called, the, called, called the Eagle and Child. And it mm-hmm. looks exactly like you would a dream that it looks like. You can picture hobbits sitting around the table, you know, and <laughs> you walk into the room and there's this, you know, little fireplace and a couple bookshelves and these little, a little mm-hmm. nook and that's where these legends used to sit and talk about their stories. And so uh, I noticed when I went there that on the over the doorway into the little room, there was a little laminated piece of paper that said the rabbit room. And, uh, I asked the, the bartender, I was like, Hey, so what is the rabbit room? And he was like, ah, oh, that's just the nickname for the room. Um, I think they kept rabbits in there about 400 years ago. And so, <laughs> which that's England for you, you know, I love that. <laughs> and so, uh, back before America was born, we had rabbits in this room. And so, um, Anyway, I, I was struck when I went in there, I was struck by a few things, but one of the things was this realization that if these guys were getting together at this, this, you know, villa this pub to hang out like on Tuesdays or whatever it was, like, it wasn't just because they were trying to make their books better. It wasn't just because mm-hmm. they were nerds about books. It's because they liked each other, you know, it's because they were friends. And like, there was this, uh, on the, I don't want to talk too much about this, but like the on the wall, there was a, a framed piece of paper. It was actually a copy of the original, but the original was like this hilarious signed uh, document that Lewis and Tolkien and all those guys. Were, and it was like, we, the undersigned, have raised a toast to the health of the, the proprietor of the pub because tonight his ham was so good. <laughs> And so <laughs> and I thought I it was so that. so sweet and funny and it just kind of gave you this glimpse into their playfulness, you know, and the fact that these guys were really just buddies. And so this friendship actually was a big part of what gave birth to these works of literature that have changed so many of us, right? And so when I when I came home, I kept thinking about that and about Nashville. And here in Nashville is this city full of poets and authors and songwriters and and like there's no doubt in my mind that I'm a better songwriter than I would have been if I didn't have these friends, Mm -hmm. but, but the better part of it, Like my, your real goal is not to become a great songwriter. Your real real goal is to be a good friend, you know? (laughs) And so, so in Christ, these friendships are the thing that will far outlast anything that we make. But, but there is this symbiotic relationship between this community of people and the works that we're doing. Like both things are richer because of, because of the other. And so that was the idea. So I bought the domain name rabbitroom.com and said, Hey, let's put a flag in the ground and, and try to, in the name of, um, Uh, for the glory of God, like foster friendships and community with the hope that that will also make the work that we do better. And, uh, by doing good work, we'll meet new friends and those friends will, you know, shape the work that we're making. And so, um, anyway, like I said, it was 15 years ago and it quickly turned, went from being just a blog, Uh, to a web store where we sold books and music that we believe in and a conference that we do every year we've done one in oxford but we do one in in nashville every year and uh and Mm -hmm. we've published about 30 books so far and um and we just are completing a project here in nashville it's this old farmhouse that we were able to renovate to kind of be a a gathering place for the rabbit room so it's this amazing uh amazing thing to get, get to be a part of the story of nashville in this way
1: Oh, I love it. Well, you know, Nashville is only five hours away. So uh, when the world gets back to normal, I'm going to be heading over there. (laughs) I love that so much. You know, but I love that, you know, I went to my first writer's conference. I was 22 years old, pregnant with my third baby as a teen mom. Mm. And this community of writers came around me and mentored me and loved me. Like I had no right saying, I want to be a Christian writer, (laughs) but they didn't even (laughs) bat an eye. And, you know, now you know, they're selling novelists and uh, writers and we still have this friendship and it truly is the friendships that grow you and carry you and strengthen you for this journey. And I I love you sharing that. I love what you're doing. Um, I'm totally going to go check out the website. (laughs) Oh, it sounds wonderful. Um, Okay. So I don't usually do this for my podcast, but I know there's so many people uh, that are fans of yours. So I went on my social media And ask for questions. I want to make sure we get some of these in because they will be very disappointed. Um, Okay. So Amy asked me to ask you about the Tolkien fireplace. I don't know what that means.
2: Oh, man. So the Tolkien fireplace, we have, this is crazy, but in that rabbit room farmhouse I was telling you about, Mm -hmm. um, we were able to acquire the fireplace from Tolkien's house in Oxford.
1: Oh Um, my word. (laughs) Yeah. So it's
2: this, it's this mantelpiece that, um, someone in the States ended up with. And then when they were selling it, so I emailed them and said, Hey, this is crazy, but you know, some rich guy's going to buy that thing or, it could, it could live in this house that's for community that's kind of being built in honor of, you know, what Tolkien and Lewis stood for. And the guy was able to, like, come down on a price, and we were able to find the donors that we needed to to, to acquire the fireplace. So we have this, it's this crazy thing, the fireplace sitting over there, and uh, we just lit our first fire in it when the weather got cold a few days ago and a group of us sat around and read our favorite Tolkien passages by the fire. Isn't that amazing?
1: Amy must have some inside information here.
2: Well, we've, uh, we've tweeted about it a few times. Okay. Like, there have been pictures online.
1: Oh, that is so cool. All right, uh, another question. Um, Leslie asks, um, do you have a favorite theme to write about in your music?
2: Um, I, uh, yes, I, w- I would say that... Pro- it's not that it's my favorite thing to write about. It's, it's more of like something that I have noticed in hindsight. Um, uh, you know, when I sit down to write a song, I'm often not thinking about a theme. You know, you're just trying to be obedient to the, to the, to the work, right. You're trying to serve the work. And so, um, so a lot of times you don't really know, like with my books, I don't, really I didn't really know what the theme of my books was until I finished and I looked back and I was like oh man now I can see this this thing from a bird's eye view and so that's kind of how it is with my music but the theme that tends to come up most of all is longing Mm -hmm. and I think that's what I'm I most resonate with you know as a as a kind of a melancholic you know uh songwriter like the thing that that stirs my waters the most is this deep profound ache for the new creation and for Mm -hmm. seeing the face of christ you know like that for the for the the coming of the king you know and so i think that's the thing that probably marks marks my music that's what i've been told is the thing that marks my music there i tend to circle back around to stories as a way to peak longing
1: I'm thinking of your songs as you're talking about it. I, I kind of agree with that. I was even thinking of "Dancing on the Minefields," and it talks about the end. You know, mm-hmm. we were made for something more. We're living in the shadowlands. I I don't have the words exactly, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. but I can see that that is a lot. And I you know, and I think that is a, it's a good thing to think about as we're in the middle of busy days and busy lives and you know this is Mm -hmm. we're made for something different and god has um yes you know he's here with us on earth but we can have something to look forward to with, with hope and joy i love that so that's awesome thanks all right um so Kristen asked how have you nurtured creativity with your own kids and then um also helping them achieve their dreams
2: Well, we have, we have three kids who are no longer kids. Technically my, my youngest just turned 18 and she's in college overseas. And my middle son is a record producer and a drummer. And my oldest son is an animation major and, uh, and an incredible visual artist. But Mm -hmm. the cool thing is they all three play music and, um, my daughter's released a few records. My son's produced quite a few. And this, this year during quarantine, um, they were all kind of stuck here, um, Nearby or at home, and uh, and Jamie and I have been bugging them for years. Like, why don't you guys form a sibling band? Because like, you all do music, all your gifts complement each other so much. Like, why don't you guys do it? And so they were all too busy until this lockdown happened, and so they made a record this uh, this year, which is just mind-blowingly good. I can't believe how good it is. And so, uh, so yeah, so I've gotten this question quite a bit. Part of it is that we we're in Nashville, which is this kind of miraculous city. Like, it's just, I, I can't tell you how many times we, we marvel that the, there are this many, um, creative, talented people who live in one tiny area. Yeah. And so, um, so that's, that's a huge blessing that we do not take for granted. Um, and, and so, so the kids have grown up with, um, with this, like built in understanding that a, there is a way for you to, uh, exercise your creativity and even pursue it as a career. Uh, and to think of it as your ministry, you know, and to think of it as a calling, like in, in like with a capital C, you know, like when I was growing up, I didn't know that you could be a singer songwriter or play in a rock band or make movies. Um, and think of it as, um, a way for you to live out God's gifting in your life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just kind of thought, well, there's ministry, you're a pastor, or you're a teacher, or a missionary, and then there's film and music and whatever. And those two things are very separate. And so our kids did not grow up with that, like segregated idea yeah. of, of art and church. And mm-hmm. so there's this, the church here and the way we've kind of cultivated our home is just that, that our Christianity is taken for granted. Like this is a, this is a, we one of my favorite quotes from a mentor of ours years ago was that that uh, christianity christianity ought to be as ordinary in your home as dirty laundry and cornflakes mm. which which is to say like you know like some families do devotions and and have like a worship time or whatever but our family just never it never worked for us mm-hmm. to do that and you know i'm sure that there were times where we felt kind of guilty like wow why, uh, why don't we do this more but then i realized that like we also in our family it's not weird to stop what we're doing and to pray you know yeah. um it's something else i learned from a friend of mine when somebody says hey will you pray for me about this thing like one of the best things you could do is to just literally stop what you're doing and pray for them yeah um, that way you don't feel guilty for forgetting later you know and so uh and you know we would talk about theological ideas we would talk about uh um who jesus is we just took it seriously enough that it was just a normal part of our lives right and so uh so i think creativity and art all just kind of fell underneath that heading it was like uh, you know whenever our kids showed any interest in like my middle son started wanted to play drums so we were like all right here's some drums you know and and helped helped him see that the, these gifts that you've been given there's a seat at the table in the kingdom of God for you yeah. right and so uh, so that's the, I think that's the best thing we did, we didn't push them into music. I was very careful to not like make them feel this burden of expectation that like, well, your papa does music. So I expect you to do it too. I actually shied away from that so much that we didn't even give them lessons really. Yeah. Um, but I would, you know, always, I, I, one of the things I say is that I think is a travesty when a piano lid is down. If you have a piano in your home, never, never put the lid down. (laughs) Always keep those keys open so that when your kid walks by, what do they do? They go bonk, bang, bonk, bang, bonk. They kind of bang on the keys. And if you, if they don't know you're there, you can hear them kind of sometimes stop and go back and poke around on the piano for a few minutes. And so it's kind of like just, we would leave the crayons out. You know, you you just leave the guitar in the corner, get a guitar that you don't care if a kid messes up, put it in the corner and let them, let them explore it. And so, uh, anyway that, that's kind of how we approached it and w- which basically means we tricked them into doing music <laughs>
1: there we go well you're inviting them to be creative yeah and the that piano lit up is the invitation to play around with it and and I think I remember when we first started having kids I almost pictured them as empty vessels that we need to do this lesson and this and we need to fill them up and then as you mature as they mature you realize like God's already put it in them what they're mm-hmm. good at what they're interested in and it is really just fostering what you see and show and show them like, Oh, I see something mm-hmm. in you. Um, mm-hmm. and my daughter did take piano lessons and she, you know, there's the time where I don't want to do this. I want to practice. And the teacher's like, she's picking it up faster than any other student. So just mm-hmm. encouraging her, like mm-hmm. maybe God has a plan for you. And you know, now she's a missionary living in the Czech Republic. She's played music for the churches over there. You know, it's just oh. seeing that, and none of our other families musical at all. Like <laughs> at all. Oh, I listen to the music, but we don't play. But that was something that we fostered in her because we saw that, and you know, and really, that's why I encourage young parents today, and exactly what you were saying, see what their interest is, and just like encourage them and and, mm-hmm. sh- and show them that God put that there for a reason. One of my daughters is so interested in Korea and Asian culture, and she wants to cook the food. She's teaching herself Korean. I mean, and I said, you know, I want how God's going to use that. Like that is in there for a reason. And she's like, yeah. really? <laughs> you know? It's like, yes, I yeah. have no idea, but I'm excited to see how that is going to unfold.
2: I think that's awesome. And, and like to, to like move from, you know, cause so many, so much of our lives, we think of ourselves as the teachers of our kids, but also to like, remember that we need to be humble enough that, that we're also, called to learn from them, you know, like our kids are like going to teach you so much about the heart of God, uh, (laughs) arguably as much or more than you are going to teach them about the heart of God, you know? And so, so approaching them with this, like, um, you know, like C.S. Lewis said, you've never met a mere mortal, you know, uh, like every person you meet is this, like this shining being, you know? And, uh, and so remembering that your kids are also this way, it isn't to like, you know, you don't want to give them the big head, but you also, (laughs) you also don't want them to like go through their lives thinking that they're a waste of space, you know? And I kind of, I kind of harbored that feeling that like my gifts didn't fit in anywhere. And so I guess I'm just kind of a loser, you know, I just, I just Mm -hmm. don't, especially in the church. I just didn't know. And, uh, so yeah, I think that's a big thing. And then the other thing I would, I would add to what you're saying is that one advantage that our kids had is that they never had an illusion about the fact that art is work, like art mm-hmm. is work, you know what I mean? So if you want, if you want the joy of doing this thing that you really love, you've got to realize that there are going to be parts of it that you don't love. Right. Mm-hmm. There are going to be parts of it where you have to dig in and really fight for this thing. Um, and and then you get on the other side of that hump, you get the real gratification of having finished something or, or doing this thing that you really love. So, you know, uh, like so many kids, they start a story and they get three chapters in and they're like, oh, yeah, I think I'd rather do anything else. And so I think our kids grew up with this. They watched me fight it fight through this stuff so they they all took their art seriously enough to be willing to like you know really fight fight to make it excellent and so um so i think that's another thing to teach your kids that like the thing that you love to do like yes do it and when it gets hard that's when you dig in exactly. and you fight even harder yeah,
1: persistence is you know when I speak at writers' conferences, like persistence is it. <laughs> like you know, yeah. there's so many creative people, and I I'll say I've read so many amazing pieces of writing when I you know critique at writers' conferences, and then those people disappear because they're not persistent. They don't mm. keep going when it's hard. And I said, if you persistent, like my writing was horrible when I started, <laughs> uh, now it's published because those editors are amazing. But um, it is that persistence to keep going, keep going because it will sure. get hard. And yeah. I love. that. Okay, one more question. Um, so Terry said, tell us about or ask about Behold the Lamb that you do at the Ryman.
2: Yeah, so I'm so excited about this that even in 2020, we are going to be able to do the show at the Ryman, Ryman this year. We're um, we're going to live stream it from the Ryman. So I don't know if you know what the Ryman is or if your listeners know.
1: I have been there. We, um, so our... 16 year old well they when they were 16 our twins are they're, they're 17 now they are such country music fans so we mm. took them to the Grand Ole Opry but it was at the Ryman I'm oh, like we wanted to great. make sure the day we go it's going to be at the Ryman so yes. we were just there a
2: couple of years ago love oh, it it's so magical I I've gotten to play the the Opry at the Ryman before. Yeah. And it's just like, like, like if you watch the Ken Burns country music documentary, you can see pictures of the Ryman from a hundred years ago, jammed with people with Hank Williams on the stage, you know, it's yeah. just this like incredible history. And I didn't like country music when I moved to Nashville. And and once I got here, I realized that there's this real deep, rich, beautiful slice of American history that's in it, you know? And so, uh, anyway, the Ryman's just this hundred and some odd year old building in the heart of downtown Nashville that we was built as a place for worship it was mm-hmm. built as a chapel and it became this this small 2000 seat theater where you know, Coldplay and Paul Simon and James Taylor, like everybody plays in this room. And, uh, anyway, so we, we started about 20 years ago with this tour called Behold the Lamb of God, where we, we sing through this cycle of songs that I wrote that, that kind of, uh, tells the story of the coming of Christ. So it's the story of the incarnation, but it starts in the old Testament. And, uh, and it's not, it's not a play at all. It's just a bunch of songs. So it's like a concert, but the songs tell the story. So, um, Anyway, yeah, so 20 years, almost the same band. Uh, We re-released the album, like a 20th anniversary uh, version of it this past year. I just downloaded it
1: like last week. (laughs) nice.
2: And so it's this community thing. So there's a bunch of different artists on it. And it's just one of the most joyful and one of the biggest surprises of my whole career. Like Mm -hmm. the fact that, like, I don't even know of another tour like it where this many people have for that, for two decades, gotten together literally every Christmas to sing the story of Jesus. And so um, so I was pretty sure it wasn't gonna happen this year, but we found out that we could s- squeeze a few people into the Ryman and, and we're gonna live stream it. So since we can't do the tour, we're gonna stream it from the Ryman so that all the people who couldn't come this year are gonna be able to see it.
1: Oh, great. So can we purchase the live stream or how is that gonna work?
2: Yeah, so uh, if you just go to my website, andrew-peterson.com, you can, uh, you can see all the options for buying tickets.
1: Oh, awesome. So excited. Okay. And before I forget, your kid's album. Are, yeah. Is that
2: available to purchase? Or? Oh, I'm so glad you asked about that. <laughs> um, so the the name of the band is uh, Wake Low. It's two words, W-A-K-E-L-O-W, which is they named their band after this crazy weather phenomenon that happened in Nashville. This huge storm came through and it was called a Wake Low. Okay. Uh, and so anyway, but it's, it's, uh, if you go on iTunes or Spotify, you can just Google Wake Low. They've released three of the singles and then next week or the week after is when the full record comes out. But okay. then also check out Namo, N-A-M-O, uh, which is my son's project. Um, and it's wonderful. And then my daughter is, her name's Sky Peterson, S-K-Y-E, and she's released a few EPs.
1: I'm writing all this down. We're going to have it in the show notes now. Yay. This is recording uh, the end of October. It'll be coming out the beginning of November. So this, the yeah. album will probably be out by the time this releases. It will,
2: I think it, the album releases like November 2nd or something like that. So okay, yeah, it yeah. should
1: be. All right. So definitely go look it, go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, just thank you so much. Um, and go ahead and give your website. We'll, we will have in the show notes. But for everyone to find all these things that we've talked about
2: yeah so you can go to uh wingfeathersaga.com you can go to rabbitroom.com or andrew-peterson.com make sure you put the dash in there because if you don't then it takes you to the thriller novelist andrew peterson that is not <laughs> me <laughs>
1: don't buy those books and read yeah. them aloud to your kids <laughs> i've gotten
2: some angry emails and i was like it's not me it's not me
1: Well, friends, I bet you couldn't tell at all that I'm an Andrew Peterson fan from that interview. I've been telling so many people, guess who I'm going to be talking to? Um, But again... I highly recommend well first of all his music because it is amazing Um, second The Wing Feather Saga these books there's four books in the series the first one is called On the Edge of the Dark Sea of Darkness get these they are four hardcover books the illustrations are amazing Um, and then go and watch him on Facebook reading aloud to families it's so encouraging it's so fun and in this time where I know my kids aren't doing a lot of activities. This is something fun for them to do. But I loved everything Andrew and I were talking about today. Just remember that those gifts that you have inside you, and the gifts inside your kids are for a purpose. I think so many times it's easy for us as parents to say, look at what God has gifted my kids with. And this is so amazing. And we want to encourage that. But there are gifts inside you that God wants to use too. God has big plans for those. Um, Don't Tell yourself, I'll wait till my kids are grown to follow these dreams that I have, but really look and say, how can I do something with these gifts and these talents and these desires now, um, even in the midst of a busy life and take time to do that? As a young mom and writer, I was a homeschooling mom. Of three little kids, five and under. And it was during their nap time that I would dare to sit down and write. Now, most of that writing has never seen the light of day. It's not published. But that time and that dedication that I took grew me into the writer who I am now. And I remember even as I got a little older and they didn't have nap time, two hours in the afternoon, I would say, this is mommy's writing time. And I would set up Barney the Dinosaur. This is, again, aging me, just like the Trapper Keeper. Um, Barney the Dinosaur was playing on the VHS tape, on the TV, in the room, Play-Doh was set up, blocks were set up, Legos set up. And my kids played for two hours. Um, Or when they got a little bit older, they were able to play out in the yard. And that was my writing time. And that dedicated writing time made a big difference. And even today, it doesn't get easier, even though I've had all these things published just yesterday. I'm working on a new book. And so set my two hours in the afternoon and the kids came in multiple times. Can you take me here? Can you help me with this? This is mommy's writing time. And I am able to help them and we do all the things, but they need to know that you are following those gifts God gave you. And as a result, my kids have gone with me to conventions when I speak, on book signing tours. I, they've been there when I've interviewed amazing people, all because I dared to follow the dreams that God placed inside me. Um, so just think about that. Think about just growing those gifts. Now, today's walking out verse of the week is Psalm 38, 9. Oh Lord, all my longing is before you. My sign is not hidden from you. And Andrew talked about, you know, a lot of the themes of his music has to do with longing. And yes, of course, we're longing for, you know, a, a world without pain and without heartache, but also the longings of our everyday life are real too. And, and sometimes it gives us hope to remember that God, does have that good future in, in store for us. But even today, God knows our longing. He knows our sign. He cares for us. He's compassionate. And it's okay. You know, I have my hard days where I just will curl up in a little ball on my bed and just, you know... Turn my sign and longing to God. And I say, I'm so thankful you're there and that you care and that you love me. And just getting his peace in that moment makes all the difference. So let me just pray. Lord, I thank you for each one of us. I thank you for Andrew and the blessing that he has been to so many for such a long time. And I know it's not easy pouring yourself out and the work is hard to create music, to write books. And I thank you for his dedication and his persistence in that, and that so many are blessed, continue to bless him and his family and his children and all their endeavors um, for your glory. And Lord, I pray for every listener. I pray for that listener's thinking, my longings. Are so hidden away. I maybe don't even remember what they were. I pray that this week that listener will sit before you and remember those dreams and remember those longings and then take little steps, even little steps, to follow through. Lord, I pray for every listener. I pray for him and her and the good work you are currently doing and that you have planned in that listener's life. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, again, friend, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. I would love it. If you would just tell a friend, so think about one person right now who you think, oh my goodness, my friend would just love this interview with Andrew Peterson, pass it on. Um, send the link. You could go to walkitoutpodcast.com and there's a share ability from that spot, and just tell your friend. Like I think you'd be encouraged. You could also search for Trisha Goyer podcast or Walk It Out podcast on your apps and find it and share it there. But thank you friends so much for tuning in, for sharing, for listening and for caring. Have a wonderful week.
0: Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.